227. Charismatic, in love with them sweet aromatics. Infatuated with Rolodexes, Audemars Briquettes, Cartiers, and Patties. It's hard to steer the traffic, stuck in the ghetto with fiends. But selling dope was my only revenue stream. My double cup forever dang. My hands never was clean. Me and G on Stockwell, filthy as Rockwell. Turn the eye on high, fresh out of dry spill. Bop it twice, then drop it in the pot like some oxtail. Then you add the cold water with the ice cube. Tassin' niggas on the split, I want the high tools. Still sending all gelatos and them OGs. Popping all bowls of exotic for the low threes. Me and Holiday, them kids with the dirty shoes. And I was turnarounds in the tin with them 30 blues. Before I ever touched the bean, I was serving food. Thousand grams a cut with morphine, that's my current move. Like the product with fentanyl Spray your block, I'll be spending yo Fuck all the ridicule Spray and get rid of yo Cut the product with fentanyl Fuck all the ridicule Spray your block, I'll be spending yo Bitch, I swear they can't be touched Till the jammy bust, fuck your little fantasy up We was wearing champion, but they never championed us Outcast, I don't even give my family a hug they say home is where the heart is But where's your home when you heartless? I'm just being wholehearted I need the AR with the shoulder harness on it Sorry I'm being cold-hearted All I know is the audit The snow to my apartment The sofa was hard as a park bench But even while starving I wouldn't beg your pardon Cop the new watch I'm on suicide watch The train cuts like I'm trying to die Put you on ice We don't let the drama slide Step on the product Electronic slide We can never share a common bond My pops had tracks in his arms from her on this is rap me, skill Scott Heron. Black Bugatti Veron, the leather in the car was eggnog. The vest I wore was Kevlar. The scarf was a gift from Pablo Escobar. Quentin, we're back. And, uh, and, uh, this week we are quintessential. Uh, just as that. Uh, uh, whatever. Honor, playing respects to Alan uh, Dinkinson. PWG regular, SoCal wrestling uh, promoter, New York wrestling promoter, I guess, you know, Southwest, uh, good guy, met him a ton of, ton of times, obviously, you know, not saying we're close, close friends or anything like that, but really good guy booked a lot of cool shows. Um, one of the only people who I thought, you know, really gave fair shrift to Shayna early on and then helped kind of get her what she deserved as more and more places started booking her. And, uh, now you see her on, raw and having it probably being positioned in a good spot to uh to actually show what she can do again now that triple h is back so that's a uh, i guess in a weird way that's kind of his you know the guy's got a huge legacy but in wrestling that's part of his legacy um but yeah that's uh that's about it quentin how you doing today i'm great um what we're doing today you convinced me to do and i feel like I yes. there was a much better use of my time on a yeah, thursday I mean... which i'm off but it wasn't bad, but you know, everybody used to my time, but I can't I can't complain. I'm doing all right. This was very on. All right. So we'll just get it out of the way. Was gonna try something new. Heard a little bit of buzz. Not not really, but kind of with a mix of funny and decent wrestling. House of Glory, high intensity nine. Um this was really fucking weird because the stuff on the undercard that you wouldn't have expected to do anything kind of over-delivered, and then by the end of the show, it just felt like a fucking, just a complete clusterfuck. And the stuff that I was expecting maybe you'd get something out of, just absolutely nothing. What do you think, Quinn? That's pretty much where I'm at with it. Um, 
the things that I really didn't have, I really didn't care for at all. Uh, let's say like let's uh let's say for example like the three with the three way tag team match with uh Carlos Ramirez, Rochi Roach, Cash Flow Inc., then um Hog PD. Like oh like I actually enjoyed that. Went a little longer than I would have liked, but still enjoyed that. Um, even the six way like I didn't like the Buddy Matthews stuff. It felt way too cop out ish for including him in this match. Um, and the way he uh he gets limited in the six way, but still had still had fun with it. Uh, even Charles Mason versus Joey Janela. Like I don't really have the highest opinion of. Charles Mason, Joey can be hit or miss. I got some enjoyment out of that. Um, but then the Briscoes tag, and then Kingston Marafuji is good, but it goes eight minutes. And Loki versus Bandito, and <laughs> the Fatu Rody King match turning into House of Black versus yeah. Fatu and Red <laughs> just hurt. Yeah. becomes even a bigger mess. Like it's. It's like okay, fine. Like I, I don't regret watching the show. Like it wasn't like the worst experience in the world. But it's just like I'm not sure how I feel saying that. Like my favorite, my favorite match on the show might have been Charles Mason versus Joey Janela. Yeah, no, dude. Char- does Charlie Mason just feel like a fucking like UK Indies boom tribute act? <laughs> like, am I fucking crazy in that? Like, like all of the worst heels from the UK Indies. He seems to like have adopted all of their shit and just does that. Real big, um, real big Nathan Cruz guy, apparently. He, yeah, Nathan Cruz, uh, Spike Treve. You even <laughs> he got he grabs the fucking gruat wire like he's Jimmy Havoc. Uh, you know G- what I mean? Gideon, Gideon Gray. It's like yeah, he's got some like, Gideon Gray. He's wrestling in a suit like um. Oh God, he's there somebody who wrestled in a fucking suit like I this. Forgot, Anyways, I forgot who it was. but yeah, you know the whole and then Charles Mason sounds like a fucking British wrestler. You know what I mean? Yeah, like sound, I, yeah, yeah, sounds like a British. I swear guy. to God, that is like a world sport wrestler. There was someone like Charles Mason. I, like, I, <laughs> yeah. Gee, like, what is this guy's deal? But yeah, then like him and Janela go out here, and I mean, steal the show is you know what does that mean in this context, right? But <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, like Jesus Christ, this is uh. Somehow the match of the night, um, which again, I said this when Janela, you know, got fired from AEW that like, this is, this was the stuff that I liked about Janela early on, like Janela and uh, I always remember Janela and um, Trevor Lee match from uh, PWX that was like decent and Janela in WXW stuff that was decent. Like he was actually a fine wrestler, but like once he became the bad boy, Joey Janela, a lot of that shit went out the window, you know, so eh, whatever. Um, I didn't hate the Bandito Loki match, um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't great, obviously. But there was some good selling from Bandito. I thought that Loki kept him a little bit more in line than normal, and like kind of kept the pace slower and did a lot of selling. But there was like no real narrative, nothing that really drove the match along. So it was like okay, you know. Um, there was one bit. <laughs> Just very, very stupid. Like the commentary on the whole show is just really fucking dumb and annoying. Um, there's a bit in the low key bandito match at the beginning where because of the commentary just being fucking just dog shit stupid and not really paying attention to what they're saying, it sounded like they implied that Charles Mason paid the United Empire to screw Loki out of the ROH title. <laughs> because at one point they're like, 
Loki and Bandito, both former ROH champions. Loki was the first ROH champion, and Charles Mason, you know, screwed him out of the title, paid him United Empire to screw Loki out of the title. Like that's how they said it. But they were jumping from Loki, the first ROH champion, to talking about the the House of Glory heavyweight title. But they did not ever address that they were transitioning from one title to the other. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this commentary is so fucking stupid. And, uh, um... the comp- <laughs> Go ahead. If we're, if we're getting grievances out here. Um, so, like, we just, I don't know what happened, but like the file that, that, I, that I saw of this show, it just like jumps in progress to the Battle Royals. I don't know how much we missed of the opening battle, the Matt Travis Memorial Battle Royal, but um, it's a big fucking mess. And then when it gets down to Violet and Smiley, I'm saying, what the fuck is happening right now? It is like, I don't go out of my way to watch cringe, bad stuff in terms of like, watching actually like bad wrestlers wrestle each other that's just lazy to me i understand the entertainment value in that but when someone's like oh fucking jenna marasca versus uh fucking charmel is the worst match of all time like yeah that feels lazy like they're bad wrestlers i feel like we expect expect them to be bad so like i don't really go out of my way to just go watch bad wrestlers but then we get to the end of this matt Harris memorial battle royal and i don't think violet is terrible but the final two between her and i'm thinking i think it was smiley was just so fucking horrific in such a clusterfuck that i didn't know what was going on for like at least two minutes then they start pinning each other for some, for some reason yeah like, it, like yeah. it was like like it like it was t like it was tna style uh battle royal than last two like oh, what you know, are they have, calling that gauntlet for the gold or something yeah, like whatever, like whatever TNA style shit that it was, and then like he's going for pins, but then they're like basically playing it off because no one's count, no one's in there to count it, and the commentary's like, "Oh man, that's Smiley's, you know, such a fucking whack job, man. You never know what that guy's thinking." It's like, what is happening right now? Does anyone in the ring know what's happening? And then Violet just wins. <laughs> yeah, and then cuts a long promo afterwards, like. And I'm like, wait, is Violet like a part owner of the company? Like, that's what it feels like. Like, she's getting like, like the way it's being presented is like, she's like one of the people in charge. I don't even fucking know. Um, so, yeah, that's that was definitely. Yeah. But it, I guess continue on if you had any more grievances, because I got yeah. another one. Yeah. No, go, go ahead. Like, uh, like, next match, the three way yeah, tag right. that you said. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. OK, the three way tag that we said was like decent, which it actually was. Um Cashflow Inc. Ken Broadway, I've always been high on. I think the guy's solid and deserves a better shot. Encore, I don't know if I've seen before, but them as a team was good. You know what I mean? They were solid. The I don't know about the House of Glory PD doing the cop gimmick at this point, but whatever, it's fine. Um, Rochi Roach and Carlos Ramirez. Did you commentary repeatedly calling Carlos Ramirez La Sombra? Just over and over again. <laughs> Carlos Lasombra Ramirez. Lasombra. Lasombra. They kept calling him Lasombra. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm sorry, but there's some nicknames that just you get to a point where they're off limits. You know, yeah, you can't that, use that them was kind of like that was like, look, man, like, come on. No, I'm sorry. you can't. Like, you can't. You can't. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like you can't be Lasombra, dude. Like, that's it's I'm sorry. Like, it's just unacceptable nickname. Like you can't just be like, oh yeah, he's Lasson. Like what? I was like, what the fuck is? I'm so confused here. And again, the commentary is so like just bag of rocks, stupid. That I'm like, do they think? 
are they being funny? Do they know what that do they know who that is? Is it a reference? Am I missing something here? That's like the level that I was getting at. Eventually, did they know, they, did they know, know that there was like a worldwide famous wrestler named Lasombra? Like, are they, yeah, are they aware who's still on TV? Yeah. And like everybody knows who he is. Yeah, I'm just like, wow, this is fucking weird. Um, suicidal six way. Uh, you know the 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 legacy of pro wrestling syndicate lives on. I think that why? they actually did buy the rights to that title. Why was or this book, like, why, why was this booked this way? It's fucking ridiculous. I know. I'm like, it's a, a six-way title title. <laughs> like, it's a six-way title. It's <laughs> and known. And Montekia being... just came out thinking that he was going to get one-on-one a match, for, match some... for it. Yeah. For That's a six-way like, title. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Um, Brian XL comes out with Amanda Serrano, which I guess a, like a top-level boxer or whatever. But then it felt like like Brian XL is like just here to fill out the 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 thing. He's not ready to wrestle because he instantly gets taken out, pulmonized leg, and is out of the match. I was like, what the fuck is this? Uh, Grim Reefer. I mean, you know, fucking whatever. Shouts out to Grim Reefer being able to smoke a you know, fucking blunt while wrestling. That's I, mean, I like I like I like Grim Reefer. I do. Like yeah, Grim can Reefer. never hate on Grim Reefer. And honestly, he's Grim Reefer. So literally, any setting, he's fine. Like, even something as stupid and fucked up and weird as this, just having Grimm there, he's like, he's chill. Like, he doesn't feel out of place. He doesn't feel like the fact that this is stupid really affects him. He's he's he's, he's okay. Um, But yeah, Brian XL, I don't know what the fuck the deal was with there. I don't I don't understand the the, you know, the boxer Amanda with him. Um, I, Whatever. He's just gone. And then like Murphy, there's just too much, too much fucking overbooking. Maybe if I was invested in the storyline, I would care about the finish when Mantequilla wins. Casey Navarro looked fine. I'm like, Casey Navarro's been around for fucking ever. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ, you know, but like, you know, that's cool. Good for them. Um, and uh, yeah, and just, uh, just, you know, whatever. Weird fucking match. You talked about the Brody King Fatu thing, but Jesus Christ, man. Uh-huh. Vac- vacant championship. They didn't, even, they didn't even try. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they didn't even, they, they, what the fuck was that? They yeah. didn't even try. Oh. And then they just turned it into a tag for what reason? To have, like, I get it. It's a buzz thing. Like, to just have Malachi Black and Amazing Red show up when they weren't advertised, I guess. Like, that's no, but just, it like, seemed cool like they were bu- set up that they were supposed to have a singles match because Red oh, was, was like, because Red was like, we're supposed to be later, but let's just do it now. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Yeah. This is, I got no words for this. It's fucking no amazing. <laughs> it's fucking amazing because there's the promos. So there's Malachi Black, and like I've always had a soft spot for Malachi Black's promo. Like I know that I'm like, you know, a lot of people don't like the way his his accent, the way he talks everything about what he does. They're not big fans. I don't know why. I just always had, like I said, a bit of a soft spot for Malachi Black. So to me, his promos are fine. Amazing Red, not a talker, not someone who needs to get a mic. So it's just like back to back, like real weak promos. Jacob grabs the mic, and then I'm like, thank fucking God. Because, <laughs> like, you know, Jacob, you could say what you want about Jacob, but to me, like, his promos believable. He sounds like a real person. He sounds like, yes. like he's just a real person yeah. that, like, you just, you, you, you just, like, mouthed off at the wrong to the wrong guy at the bar like that's what yeah Jacob exactly. promo is yeah so he's just like let's fucking do this i'm like okay thank god finally like something that's like something um 
And then, yeah, then the tag team match itself, I don't know. And, and like, we get another DQ. This Even this doesn't fucking have a finish. And they use it to set up another, a trios match. So that they can say the same thing again, which is House of Black versus House of Glory. Like, it feels like that's the only point of all of this. But why would they just not have done a House of Black six-man tag with with Amazing Red? (laughs) And whoever... Why not just do Amazing Red? (sighs) They just just, really want to say House of Black versus House of Glory as many times as possible. Why not just do Amazing Red and Private Party versus House of Black? At that point, Red's there. And Red is has whatever level credibility in House of Glory. So they might not want to take the fall there. But at that point, five out of the six are eight are AEW guys. You could do a big House of Glory versus House of Black tag with private party, even though they're heels or whatever, coming out to defend House of Glory's honor because this is where they came from. This is their roots. Whatever. Big spot fest, fun tag. And someone has to take a fall there because five of the six guys are AEW talent. But yeah, when you I'm do sure. this and Jacob Fatu, you know, God bless him, isn't taking falls anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is. Uh... You could have just. <sighs> the, Bris- you the, Bris- the Briscoes being announced was enough. You could have just announced the Briscoes and did the main event. Like, right. that's fine. That's not the biggest match in the world. It loses a little bit when private parties out of it, I guess. But the Briscoe brothers have enough cachet as to where you can do the Briscoe versus the main event, still get the same effort, still get whatever. You could have just did Private Party and Amazing Red versus the House of Black. This right. I don't understand. You could have just not booked Jacob Fatu. Like, sure, you could. I know that flight's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. No, oh. I know it's fucking wild. Um, we already talked about the the Crown Jewel title match, Mason versus Janela. Um, you talked about the the getting the same amount of effort, man. This Briscoe Brothers match, like the only effort shown was the main event. It felt like they they were the only ones who were here to work hard. Um, and Max Caster wrapping them to the ring was fucking. That was like the highlight of the fucking show, really. I mean, you said the Janella versus uh, Charles Mason is the best match or whatever, but yeah, I think Max Caster wrapping the main event to the ring was probably the best thing on the whole fucking show. Um, and then the main event, like I said, the only team in this three way that was like trying hard, one of the fucking Mark, uh, Mark Quinn didn't even take off his jacket the entire match. Um, the Briscoes really didn't put anything into it until the fucking closing stretch was, which was like very fast. They just beat the shit out of the main event and win. I was just like, Jesus Christ, like everyone here is phoning this one in and I can't honestly cannot blame them. Like I said, the main event, they got something to prove they're in a big spot getting to wrestle the Briscoes, but the, you know, private party and the Briscoes, this is not, you know, this is not a big deal night for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that felt pretty clear. So I agree yeah. that, the main, that the main event uh, looked good here. And again, like, I just, <laughs> <laughs> I've been a lot for fucking words when it comes to these things. So they just, I understand the name value that certain things come across with. And this is like no, House of Glory, House of Glory is no stranger to doing things like this, where they had the names, but then the names will actually try when they come there. Uh, it's a thing that happens a lot. Uh, House of Glory and West Coast Pro are kind of similar in that regard, I guess. Yeah, uh, exactly. So it's just like Jesus, Jesus, fuck. why was it not Private Party and Amazing Red versus House of Black if you want to do House of Glory versus House of Black so fucking bad? Why? 
Why? Well, because now, now we're gonna get House of Black versus Amazing Red, Brian XL, and Loki, who like on this show, Loki was like the one who had the best like actual performance out of those three, and it's Loki, so you never know what the fuck he's gonna pull. Amazing Red didn't look bad, but he's not Amazing Red, and Brian XL fucking ditched out half of his match and played injured, so I don't know what where he's at. So. Yeah, you had to put together the match where the like, biggest spot was just like falling off the rope, falling off the middle rope or something, or yeah. falling off the rope. Like just, just like, wouldn't even a dive. Like just fell. So yeah, so so that's what we're getting instead is that team versus House of Black. Which I mean, fuck, I'm not even gonna say that. Like House of Black did not look great on this show either. Like except for Brody, who did Brody stuff with Fatu for a minute and then you know, then kicked ass in the in the tag, but otherwise. Otherwise, like, yeah, he's not, uh, no one else looked great. Malachi didn't look great. Buddy Matthews, as we talked about in the six way, six way was like just ridiculous. Um, I was thinking about that. I was like, damn, like Matthews really is not, not the same since the 205 live days where he was just like being Kenny Omega. Like there's not really much to Buddy Matthews if he can't just impersonate Kenny Omega. (laughs) I agree. Main event, (laughs) Quentin, we got. Eddie Kingston, according to commentary, Eddie Kingston taking on his hero, Marafuji, here. Uh, what did you what think about this fuck? one? <laughs> uh, yeah, Eddie Kingston, notably inspired by junior heavyweight wrestling. Uh, Eddie-, Eddie Kingston, two years younger than Marafuji. Yeah, <laughs> he- awesome. Just, <laughs> and he's just, like, don't be inspired by like Marafuji's innovation. In wrestling, you know, definitely not, like, definitely not a guy that more, that lean more towards watching the heavyweight style guys. But no, nah, just huge, gigantic inspiration on him. Yeah, let uh, yeah. Fuji. Are we sure that they didn't just confuse Mar- Kingston with Will, Kingston with Will Osprey somehow? I I think that they're just they were just trying something, and Kingston did his best. I mean, and he put over Marafuji. That's the thing I said. Kingston sings for his supper, man. Like that's that's what he's doing now. He cut. He just cuts a kick ass promo after the match. I don't know if you saw the. Uh, the three-way from the Lehigh Valley Athletic Commission, or not a three-way, the, the triple threat, or ah, trios match um, with the Batiri and Hot Sauce versus Kingston and the Spectral Envoy. No. But Kingston, man, I mean, that's just what he does. It doesn't matter, you know, how good or bad the match is. He goes out there, he, does, he you know, puts in his effort, he sells his ass off here. But then he's got to cut the promo afterwards. That's where the, that's what the Kingston booking is all about. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you got you like that's the whole thing. You have to get the promo out of it, which is great. You're getting a great wrestler and a great promo afterwards, so nothing really complain about. But it's just, like, yeah, it's just fucking 2022. Not Fuji, like which is can be a good wrestler, but wasn't wasn't gonna be a good wrestler for fucking Hog. No, that wasn't gonna happen. No, was gonna be wasn't gonna be a good wrestler for Eddie Kingston. <laughs> no, that wasn't gonna happen. It was all right. Yeah. It was fine. I, I thought it was, I thought it was fun, but whatever. Yeah, sub ten minutes. Like I said, the the actual like, I don't like the standing and trading, you know, gunslinger chop strike off stuff that much. But they did a good job here. Um, the closing bit was a little weak, just because trading shots back and forth for the finish when not all of them looked looked snug and super great was not like the best best, but it's okay. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> House of Glory, there it is. Highly recommend. Thumbs up show. High intensity number nine from House of Glory. Uh, definitely check it out. House of, House of Black versus House of Glory coming soon. 
Hustle, yeah, exactly. Get ready for that. Everyone wants to. See, everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to see it. House of House of Black versus House of Glory. We're all people are saying it more and more. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Quentin. AEW. We want to talk about uh, Dynamite. We want to talk about All Out coming up. Want to talk about CM Punk? What do you What do you got? Let's do the highlights from Dynamite. Um... Oh, okay. So, well, go ahead. if you don't think, <laughs> okay, I saw it was a couple people, but I saw people that didn't like the CM Punk segment. They're their fucking That's minds. That psychotic. is That's incredible pro wrestling. Crazy talking you talking you into the building shit. I can't understand that. And if your takeaway was fuck CM Punk. Then good. They would want you to feel that way on like if that if that's how if that's how you felt. They want you to feel yeah. like CM Punk is a you know is is whatever he's doing. Like he's just milking the crowd, trying to play whatever, trying to play whatever card. If that's your feeling from it, good. They encourage that. They're encouraging every single possible emotion that you could possibly feel towards this match, towards John Moxley, and towards CM Punk. John Moxley cut a promo. In Chicago, pretty much saying, "Ah, your guy fucking sucks. I beat his ass, so get over it." That, yeah. <laughs> that was a, that was a promo to start the show. Um, I know he's like, "You can come with me. That's fine. I showed you. I'm better. Let's yeah. just go. Let's we'll we'll have fun." You guys don't, you, want- you know, he wasn't being a jerk. He wasn't saying fuck Chicago, any of that. He's just saying, you know, your guy is not great. I'm the best, and let's move and forward. And as much as I love John Moxley. If someone was like, "Yeah, fuck John Moxley," you know, you're talking that like, yeah, I can understand why. Sure, I can, <laughs> I can understand why. Uh, well, then the punk thing happens, and the way they play it is so is so well done because A Steel after Moxley drops the open contract, A Steel comes and picks it up. Oh, we have to talk about the fucking A Steel thing, but I, yeah, yeah, but it's so it's so well done because punk is. Say, he's giving a valid reason, and again, if you're already on the train of oh, already on the train of oh, CM Punk is full of shit. CM Punk is full of shit. That people have been like setting in motion for to th- from the time when she's been there. You could easily be like, CM Punk is full of shit. He's making excuses. Fuck him. This and that. You could also be like, Nah, I can see CM Punk doing this. This is just a valiant babyface promo. It's not out of the realm of, of the ordinary for what he's been doing in AEW so far. Yada yada. The A Steel A Steel part comes. This is like magical transcendent pro wrestling shit. As he just spat, like just goes fucking crazy on CM Punk and just like loses his mind going off going off on him about this. This is not what we planned. This is not what we talked about. You are not doing this. You're not. This is not the person that I that I trained that I coached. You are not going out like that. And the switch just fucking flips on CM Punk and he just does his ultimate baby face rallying cry go home promo in the way the only CM Punk in Chicago could and for some reason there's dork ass people it's like oh A Steel huh I don't the what, the audience didn't know who A Steel they told you who A Steel was in 30 fucking seconds on the broadcast if you didn't already know who he was when he first came out and got the contract when A Steel came out and talked to CM Punk within 30 seconds He's saying, hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is A Steel, and I trained CM Punk. And if you didn't get all of that, last week, when the match ended, yeah. 
CM Punk's being carried out, Excalibur made sure to mention that's a steal, CM Punk's close friend. They've done this for two fucking weeks. Shut up. They actually Shut gave up. you the setup. The thing that all these people have been complaining about, they actually set it up last week. Like, they gave you the backstory. They set it up. He said, like, it, here's the thing, and I, you know, tweeted this one out there again, so, you know, rehashing it, but, like, Ace Steel, whatever. Like, I know Ace Steel. I know Chris Guy, according to Dave Meltzer, repeatedly calling him Chris Guy. It was very funny. Um, you know, I've known about the Steel Domain and him training, you know, Punk and Colt Cabana back in the day, all this and that. But the thing that got me, we've never seen, I've never heard of Larry. Who the fuck is Larry? <laughs> CM Punk is on here talking about walking Larry, and I don't know who that is. Yes. So Can't what the kid. fuck is that? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm trying to watch a TV show. You can't just mention people who I've never heard of. Uh, I, I don't understand. Me. I don't understand this dork ass fucking take. I don't understand yeah. it. It is weird. Okay, his baby nerd ass shit. Yes, loser it's... ass shit. Like, think, just stop. Uh, you're just looking for something to complain about. Jesus, they don't even mean Christ. it. They really don't. The people who are saying it really don't mean it. They're just looking for something to complain about. And it's like fucking ridiculous, dude. It's like, get over it. You're just trying to whine. There's not well, a chance in hell that you mean this. Like I said, I'm fine. If Whenever AEW actually does something worth criticizing, cool. Sure. Criticize them. I always, We talk about all the time. When AEW first started, wasn't I, at least I was the one coming on just like, eh, I don't know. Like, for a while with AEW shows, yeah. when, the, when the company first started, I was coming on here, I don't really know how to feel. I don't really know how to take these things. The big stuff wasn't really hitting me like that. Notably, I didn't really care for Cody versus Dustin. So, like, I, it's not like I'm coming in with, like, I've just been number one AEW supporter from day one. But Jesus fucking Christ, they told you who A Steel was in 30 goddamn seconds. Yeah. Why? No, it's ridiculous. Like, it's... What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Again, people are just looking for something. This did remind me of something, though, because it goes, it kind of goes hand in hand with another kind of take thing that I've been hearing. And it's from the WWE side of things. And I just, the, you know, people repeatedly pointing this one out and, and referencing, comparing it to, um, to the Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan thing from Nitro. The, uh, I don't even know what the fuck is going on because I don't really watch WWE, but, um, Dexter Loomis. He's feuding with someone. Maybe it's the Miz or something. I don't even know. Yeah, I think I think he is feuding with the Miz. And like the Miz sees Dexter Loomis, but nobody else does. But you see him on the camera, like watching on the home. You see it, and everyone does the like. Am, am I supposed to be crazy too? Because I see it, and I'm just like, are you people all really this fucking stupid? Like, are you all this dumb that you've never like? watched even just like baby shows like scooby-doo or something like you're talking about baby brain fucking idiots the point is that you at home see them because they're there they are there and the miz sees them and we see them also but nobody else around the miz sees them it's not magic it's not that the miz is crazy it's that dexter loomis is hiding from everyone else and only the Miz and us see him. That's what's happening. Like, and the I guess you could say the cameraman also saw them. The point is not that he's magic. The point is that he's hiding. Like when the Miz sees him and then goes, hey, wait, he's over there. 
and then the other person looks, he disappeared. Like he ran away. He hid. He's not there anymore because he's trying to hunt down the Miz. Like, it's so weird to me that people see stuff like this and they go like, what is this supposed to be? Am I supposed to be crazy? Like, no, everyone else is supposed to not see them. So it's it's gaslighting. It's making the Miz feel crazy because he sees them, but nobody else around him sees them. Like, I don't understand how people don't get that. And so, yeah, I just, I've heard too many people complaining about this. And it's the same thing where it's like, you're trying really hard to just pick something apart and you're really missing the basic like narrative that's just right in front of you. It's, it's such a simple thing too. It's like, like it's, it's such a, it's, it's really such a simple story. Just Punk's friend happened to actually work with the company and it saw that his, it saw that his friend was in trouble and came out and helped his friend. It's so yeah. simple. It's basic. It's basic shit. It's actually the most basic storytelling principle. <laughs> well, one of those basic storytelling principles that you could use. So that is dumb, but whatever. We can move past that. I enjoyed well, Aussie. Okay. I, go ahead, go ahead, you go ahead, mentioned go ahead. you mentioned not being like trepidatious about AEW and not like just buying in instantly, not liking Dustin Cody, all that stuff. But one thing that me and you have talked about quite a bit is you know, the use of black wrestlers, the pushing of black talent in AEW and the wait and see and the be fair. And I saw something someone pointed out and it is staggering because mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. there was like the memes that WWE is Wakanda and all of this and AEW. Mm-hmm. When you look at the AEW card on the main card of the pay-per-view, there's like eight black wrestlers, like probably even more. Honestly, I'm like, barely looking at this and i see six seven eight nine yeah there's like over 10 black wrestlers in the end it looks like on the show wwe's pay-per-view this weekend clash at the castle has one black wrestler on the show maybe two if uh punishment martinez is like afro dominican or whatever i don't even think he is um or puerto rican and I don't even know necessarily for sure that he's in the show because all I see it say here is Judgment Day. Um, but I, I think he is. So, yeah, um, WWE is Wakanda, obviously, like I said, and, and AEW doesn't uh, push any black people. Uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to point that out because we've talked about it and said, you know, wait and see. They need to develop stars. And they have, especially if you look at like the world tag team title match is all black and it's Whoa. all people that are pushed insanely strong. And they're big time over acts. Both also, teams. also like the point was that we said the black wrestlers that they would have pushed got signed. Right. And two of them literally are on the card in Swerve and Keith Lee. Those were yeah. like two pretty much directly were like, yeah, if those guys were avail- like, you know, they they chose WWE. That's just the truth. They they chose WWE. That's just what that's just what happened. Which is fine. But those were like TV star-ready guys that chose WWE, and they and like it just took away from what they had to work with. It sucks, but that's just what happened. So you do have the homegrown guys, you do have the acclaimed, you do have powerhouse Hobbs. If you want to throw Ricky Starks in there, you could do that. Dante Martin, but then you all, but then you uh, then you have Jade, but then you also have Athena, and you have Swerve in our glory, and like. That's kind of the point that we've been saying the whole time, and this isn't even counting the the uh, the Latinx representation on here, either. With the Lucha Bros, with Los Ingobernables, 
on here. Like, if you want to count yeah. Eddie Kingston, like, you're like, there's like a bu- there's a bunch on here. Yeah. And again, the point Plus that we always Japanese say- wrestlers that are being pushed seriously and not just as fucking jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So the point that we, yeah, we, so I'm fine taking our, like, if we wanted to tell you, like, a little, like, I told you so there. We, just give them a chance because they like WWE signed all the, like the ready black wrestlers. That's just what happened. Like <laughs> right, right, exactly. And they were dealing with again as you know this has been beaten down to, into the fucking ground, obviously. But they were they were dealing with over a decade of the scene of just scorched earth that there was no actual black stars that were pushed because the main company didn't make black stars. Um, you know, intentionally. So, yeah, again, of course, and you look at it and it's been a couple of years and they've been able to build their own stars and and bring in wrestlers from WWE that weren't used properly like Athena and actually like make them into what they can do, which like, I'm sorry, like I liked Athena as a wrestler on the indies before she went into WWE, but she was not doing much there. And then now she's coming back and actually feeling a lot hotter than she was. Stokely Hathaway being the biggest non-wrestler on the TV at this point. Right. Yeah, his his storyline, which we could talk about a little bit here, him showing up handing a card to W. Morrissey on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Wonder where that's leading to, especially when you think about that last time W. Morrissey was on AEW TV, he was being used as one of the the trials of Wardlow by MJF. So there's been some teasing. People are hinting, thinking maybe Stokely's putting this group together to help MJF. I don't know. That'd be that'd be that would be a re- that would be really interesting. That would be very interesting. Um, I know you were you were kicking to the trios, but one thing I wanted to mention: Jericho cuts a promo on Brian Danielson, talking about that he's going to bring the Lionheart back, and he drops a little bit of a reference, saying that all's fair in wrestling and romance. So <laughs> we're gonna get the war, you know, the uh, uh, Tenryu's company version of the Lionheart, Chris Jericho. But here's the question: Do we get the war version of American Dragon? Does Brian Danielson bring out the mask for All Out. <laughs> it would love. I would love if he did the whole fucking get up. I would. I would. <laughs> I. I would. I would die. Uh, if, if Could anything, you imagine? If, if the anything, nerds Jer- talking about how they they don't get it and they don't know because no one's explained that the American Dragon used to wear a mask. Yeah, the, the American Dragon used to be like used to actually be a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Jericho should should wear the liger off if that's the case. Oh my god! Oh, dude, because the American Dragon mask had the the thing. It was kind of like a Liger mask. Yeah, it had like the it had the spikes. Oh mm-hmm. my god, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it seemed like you were hitting towards the main event, the trios, uh, trios match, which I guess is fine. We can skip to there, and and this could be a quick episode, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess we could still talk down the pay per view card too, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're still gonna do that. Yeah, okay. So, main event. Actually, I did want to talk about the women's tag team match here, because I heard something. uh, Oh, and that was something else I wanted to talk about with Punk, so I'll lead this in this way, because I heard it on Grapsity, and Grapsity has three hosts, obviously. I don't know if you listen to the podcast at all, but I know you're familiar with Yeah, I know the hosts are. I don't listen to what I know the hosts are. So, the the hosts are great, because it's, like, you know, good, medium, bad, basically, um, when it comes to, like, pretty much everything. Um, And Phil Lindsay's a Chicago guy. He's kind of the middle guy. Um, he's medium and he talked about punk and the promo or he talked about Chicago and that Chicago's whole thing is rooting for underdogs and being the underdog. And that was one thing that I thought about and was like insanely well done about the punk promo is that punk is CM Punk, the biggest star in all of wrestling, the biggest star in the company. He came back. He's been the champion. He won all of it. 
And he somehow was able to turn this angle and this promo and all of this into he feels like the underdog going into the main event. And I think that that's the best part of what they've done with this entire angle and everything that's going on here is that we're getting punk in Chicago, the city that loves to root for the underdog, getting to root for punk as the underdog. It's like it's, you know, when punk called said John Cena's you became the Yankees or whatever. And then I kind of tease like, well, now punk is the Yankees or whatever. But like he's not he's not. And that's why punk's great. And that's why punk is Chicago. You know, and that's why he's Chicago made punk is he it's can a, never be the Yankees because he's always going to be an underdog. The funny thing is, though, that if you don't want to do that, it's like you, if someone wanted to do that, it's like in the time, like I, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to drop the line. And like at the time, what you and punk was gone, like the Cubs didn't like the Cubs did win a World Series in the time in which right. punk was gone. So like I would love to see that if there is like a punk like real turn on the way. And we'll talk about it as we go as we go down the show, as we go down the all out card. But it's like. I do like the idea that if you if you didn't want to do that, it's like you can't play that card because the Cubs won a World Series like a few years ago. So you can't act like this is just, you know, like the Blackhawks don't win every single, you know, like don't, aren't in there just as much as the Bruins are when it's when it comes to winning NHL titles or that. Uh the Bulls, like haven't had didn't have a resurgent season. Like I, I like that if you wanted to do like the sports analogy thing, and I don't know who would did it, if it would be like a MJF or revisiting Eddie King, revisiting Eddie Kingston stuff or whoever. Like, I do think that yes, making the hometown babyface an underdog in his hometown, like the root for that, looks the root for underdogs, is basic, really good pro wrestling. I do think there is enough that's happened over the course of time that you could poke holes in CM Punk now if you wanted to. Yeah, for sure. There's still there's still room for other other things there. Um. But the other part, I like I said, I wanted to talk about was the women's tag team match. And uh, on Grab City, the same guys were talking about it. And like, just how much they really like Sheeta. And how much I talked about that Sheeta was really good as the champion during the pandemic. And just how over Sheeta really is. Because I feel like sometimes me and you can kind of be in a bubble. And there's a lot of stuff on AEW that I think we can kind of be in a bubble on. Um, that we kind of overlook that like Sheeta in, you know, to me and you, and like I said, our bubble feels like she's just kind of stuck in the match, but in the context of AEW and a lot of these fans here, like she makes perfect sense in this match and honestly feels like she could win. I mean, I think every title match on this show, except for Jade, obviously feels like kind of up there on like anyone could win. Oh, I, Um, I, I, I would say. I mean, I'd say other than swerve, the Swerve in Our Glory match, I'd say that anything can happen because Jade's had that belt for so long that sure. I could see Athena winning. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, that's fair. Um, but no, um, I think I'm pretty good at separating the bubble and then, like, the reality of, like, most people, like, the other people that are watching and consuming AEW. Like, I think there's a difference between not, between not caring for Sheeta and then acting like she's not important. Like, you cannot like Sheeta's work. That's totally fine, but you're being—you're not really like looking at the whole picture. You're missing the—you're missing the forest through the trees. Like if you're saying that Sheeta just feels like another person, like no, like in the context of AEW, she's the second most important woman on the roster right now, or in the history of the company, other than Britt Baker. That's yeah. just the reality of how Sheeta's been used, and over time, will that change? Sure, maybe. Of course, like it should change. Tony Storm is there. Athena's there. Chris, hopefully, Chris Statland and Ruby Rojo become more important as time goes on. Or other women that they bring in, things will change. But as it stands right now, she is the second most important woman in AW history. 
only behind Brit because Brit has the highlight stuff that took that took people that like really captured people's imaginations. But no, I I'm with you that it feels like people that like we talk to or whatever kind of like downplay Sheeta. And I, again, there's 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 a difference between not liking someone and then acting like they're not important. Fair, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I I still think, like I said, I think that she's obviously good at what she does because the crowd gets into it. You know, mm-hmm. being an accurate star raider. Uh, that I am, I uh, you know, I I judge things. Maybe I don't appreciate them based on that. But no, I mean, yeah, she's like always over. Crowd always gets into her. She's awesome, baby face here in this tag match. I mean, she kind of really carried her side for the the crowd heat. And like, this is I hate to say it, but this four way. This I mean, okay, we're gonna talk about the matches in the pay per view later. So let's just get to that. Anyways, trios match. Quentin, I'm sorry I derailed so much. Feel free. Uh, no, I mean, I guess there's a lot of unlikable personalities in here i liked it i thought it was really fun i didn't think it was as good as um the aussie open and osprey versus um fucking uh uh death triangle tag from last week i didn't think it was as good as that you know i feel like it might be a little bit worse than the elite versus um los angobonables tag from a couple from from a couple weeks ago but I still thought this was really good and just like week after week after week, awesome trios and main events on the on the dynamite shows uh that aren't really getting this talked about. Um, which is fine and I and I get it. Like if you're not into these people that are being pushed in this particular uh title scene, it might not be your thing. You're into like the punk and the Moxley and the Danielson stuff and everything and like what else might be going on with Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks, but I still enjoy the guys that have been in these spots and I've thought that these matches have been super fun and I've enjoyed them a lot. So I thought this was great. I loved it. And I don't know if you saw the exclusive YouTube uh, footage afterwards, but then the United Empire attacks the elite after the match. And so now going into All Out, we'll probably have some injury stuff being really, really hammed up by the Bucks and Kenny uh, facing Dark Order, and I'm really excited and intrigued to see what they come up with for that match. We've talked about it. Yes, Alex Reynolds is whatever, but if you're telling me that a match that has Hagman and, and John Silver versus the Bucks and Kenny Omega in it, like I'm still more than likely going to think that's a really good match, and then, so, and then Reynolds can just pick his spots. That's whatever. Like That's, that's fine, yeah. but based off the uh, off the dynamite exclusive footage on YouTube, I think that we're gonna get a really, really good match that isn't just like the same kind of Bucks Kenny uh spot fest, if you want to call it that uh type of thing. I think they're gonna weave in a lot of story stuff and I'm curious to see how they do it. Yeah, no, I mean again, like you talked about with Sheeta and the appreciating the context and maybe not necessarily if like it's for you or you really like it. Like I talked about it a bit last week on that podcast as well, talking about that there's like something for everyone on these, on the AEW shows and they kind of hit all the quadrants. Like I saw, I mean, some fucking mouth breather, probably Cornette thing. It it really does worry me that like, it seems like FTR is courting the Cornette base or, you know, or some way talking to him or feeding. So, because like, there's like a, now it feels like that's where the, the complaints are coming from about FTR not getting the right position. And you see the people who are like, Oh, why are they booking this when you could have uh, the young bucks versus 
FTR match. It, wouldn't that be so much better? Wouldn't shouldn't everyone be so excited and into that? And that's the biggest. And I'm just like the biggest story that's been building since before this company was even a fucking company is Osprey or is not Osprey is Omega Hangman and the Young Bucks. Like that's the elite of with of those four has been the longest running story in this company. It's the most important thing in this company. And now we're set up where we got into a place where the Young Bucks begged Hangman to be their partner. And he turned them down saying he didn't want to overshadow his boys in the Dark Order. They get Kenny. Kenny not only was the last person they called, you know what I mean? They questioned if he's ready to be there. With the idea being like, no disrespect, but we didn't think you were ready. You know, and then now it's like, okay, well, where does that? So there's so much fucking drama there that like. Anything could happen. Anything could happen here. And like you said, they're going to make it drama. There's going to be something to it. Right? You want the heartwarming, just the Dark Order win kind of feels honestly like the thing. Um, It feels like not quite to the level of like as feel good and old school AEW as, uh, like I said, um, if like it was the best friends winning the trios titles, being the first trios champions would really feel the same as like when SCU were the first tag team champions where it feels like paying like a, a respect to the history of wrestling and to the history of the company and like the fan, what the underneath fans really like and want and everything. You know what I mean? But the dark order are probably number two when it comes to that, when it comes to like have been on the show for a long time, have a storied history, natural progression from heel to baby face and everyone loves them. Like it does feel very much like a big deal to have them win. Have it's one of them, you know, is Hangman, who was in the first championship match and lost, and then now he's here winning these champion. He's the first trios champion. You know, I guess that would make him kind of like a Grand Slam, or I guess not a Grand Slam, but like a, a Triple Crown champion in AEW. He'd be the first person with that. You, you, would, um, you wouldn't been- have the, the TNT and All Atlantic. He wouldn't have held, but right, he would be the first person. He would be the only person to have like. Those three accolades, yeah, have three different. Cha- I don't think anybody else has had three different champions. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he'd be the first person who's a triple crown champion, um, you know, and and that's a big deal for like everything again about Hangman. So I mean, that would be great. But you could also have Hangman turn. You could have Kenny turn. Like I said, Kenny's pissed off that the Young Bucks didn't ask for him first. They asked for Hangman first. So there's tons of drama that could happen here, and like. What the fuck? Where are we going to go? Like, that's really cool. That's much bigger than just doing the Young Bucks versus FTR again, which in the context of AEW, and I'm sorry, Quentin, because I think that me and you, maybe me and you both disagree with this, but the the overall understanding, you just have to accept it, is that the first Young Bucks versus FTR match was bad and the second one was good. <laughs> so you're telling me that like you really think we'd be better off booking a match that's 50-50 versus a match that involves the longest running storyline in the history of the company. Right. I understand. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, you get, yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess there's not much else to say there, right? No, I'm I I'm I'm probably fine. I'm probably fine with the match. Like I wasn't sure it'd be a dark order thing just because like I, I guess I might have been paying super close attention to the TV. So people have been saying it's gonna be hangman's gonna be hangman and they had different partners filling in and all that shit. So I wasn't sure that it would actually wind up being hangman, so that's why I wasn't sure. What the finals would be, but once it became clear, then yeah, this this was cl- clearly the right thing to do. And again, people can say whatever about Hangman; it gives him something to do. 
if they win the titles, keeps him important, keeps him relevant, because he is one of the cornerstones of the company. He might be getting cooled off right now. He might not be part of the most important things going on right now with Punk and Moxley, MJF when he comes back, Kenny Omega when he gets more healthy. That's fine. But just remember that he is one of those guys in the company, and he's, it, he isn't suddenly just going to not matter in the big picture. That's just not that's just not what's going to happen. Okay, and then the other thing that I forgot, which would have been a good thing to to fill in the dead air for a moment there, was um, the did you see the Osprey tweet? Continuing yes. on the storyline <laughs> where Osprey says, you know, that's wrapping up my time with AEW. I talked about it when he said that he when he dropped the belt in RPW, which I don't know if you saw that match, but Jesus Christ. Um, some people, man, some fucking people, they really need to get their brain checked. Um, either way, that he's focusing more on New Japan and you know New Japan strong the United States and that says that's that's my time in AEW you know thanks to Tony for not uh, listening to <laughs> Osprey or to Omega trying to politic me out of the spot we're fair even whatever one and one let's uh you know let's just leave it as it is for now I mean <laughs> obviously that can be a swerve clearly it could also be legit especially when you talk about this trios match and one thing that I'm hearing a lot of people say and obviously it was right there in the match. They did not shy away from Osprey and Omega interactions. If anything, I mean, one of the best parts of the match was Osprey ripping the shirt off of Omega and going after the the, the bad back and the ribs. On yeah, they did not go oh, ahead. They didn't feel like they were trying to protect it. No, no way. so I mean, yeah. Osprey saying that could be legit that they're not going to get to this match for a while. Which is, I'm fine. I'm fine with that because I feel like. AEW is a company that does give us audience credit. Like, you're not just suddenly going to forget that the last time we, ho- we heard about Will Ospreay, him and Kenny Omega had tension. Like, like you're not like uh, they give your audience, they give the audience enough credit as to where if Osprey does come back, uh, in whatever amount of time passes, say Forbidden Door next year, because they will do another Forbidden Door probably. Uh, I, I like I would pencil this in for, for, for Forbidden Door. That would be that would be my idea. I think that. If we have a healthy Kenny, that this should almost be a lock for Forbidden Door. Yeah, that would be perfect. That would honestly be perfect for your main event for the next Forbidden Door. You don't need anything else. You don't need any big title matches. Mm-hmm. You don't need anything else. You could do that as the big match. Yeah, that 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 would that would be my guess. But I, you know, I think that there's like like everything with AW so far. I think there's a tinge of truth, tinge of reality, and. Sure. That probably that's probably is the last time we see Osprey for a while, but I I do think we'll be seeing Osprey next year come uh come to summer for Forbidden Door, right? And then how about okay? How about news sites claiming that Osprey was working stiff and shooting on Omega uh, when he was you know calling him a bitch and calling him out and all this? Huh? What about those fuckers <laughs> in the dirt? Got just absolutely fucking worked. I mean, <laughs> can we take this shit seriously anymore? Oh, the, the MJF plane story. I'm gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be vindicated one day. I think that shit. AEW just like broken people's brains, and like it's kind of surreal to watch because, like, I'm fine getting worked. Like sure. that's part of wrestling. It's getting worked. Like when we came on here last week, speculating what the fuck would they do with the CM Punk Moxley thing. That's us getting worked. And I'm fine with that. I welcome that. I welcome not being able to predict what happens in wrestling. So I have to watch and find out next time. It's what keeps things interesting and what makes you want to tune in. Like, 
I'm fine being worked. It feels like people don't like being worked all the time. Like they just yeah. have to know that this is the truth and that this is for real. There's real things and real this. Like, eh, you know, I like I like being worked sometimes. I'm I'm enjoying being worked by this punk Moxley thing where I don't know what the fuck to expect. I don't know yeah. a goddamn thing. I don't know that match could last five minutes, and I wouldn't be surprised. That match could go 40 minutes. And I don't think I'd be surprised. I mean, MJ, Mox MJ, teased the hour. Mox M- teased the hour. Yeah, M- M- MJ, MJF would come back and have a fucking full, like, goddamn Eric Rowan beard because he's been in hiding for the last couple of months. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like, none of the, like, like, no, like yeah. nothing would shock me here. And, like, that's great. That's what makes wrestling good. That's what makes wrestling interesting. That's what wrestling should feel like at its best. That right now, on the biggest match on the show, when the biggest storyline on the show, I don't know what to even think right now. And I feel like people with AEW, we've got like people have gotten so used to WWE and how they handle things and how they report things and like the certain and the certainty of things because of like you know stubborn commitment to plans and they, like it's they. they the way they do things, you, there's issues to have. But right now, they're hitting on something that like is so good and feels so great as a wrestling fan. It's almost like, wait, what is this? Is this even like, yeah, is this wrestling at this point? <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> well, it is, and that's the fucked up thing about it. Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, like they don't know how to process it. People are like fighting with it and turning them their brains into mush. Having these insanely bad takes, like who is a steal? Um, because, because, and I, you know, this is another one I tweeted out. You know, might as well, I might as well stop saying that because it's just annoying and stupid. But uh, that, like, this is WWE Stockholm syndrome brain, where people like are saying, "Oh, they need to announce these matches ahead of time." I can't believe they haven't announced this match yet. Oh my god, you want to announce it? Announce the match. Announce it. Like, people are so used to the WWE way of doing things where you gotta you have to announce the match beforehand people need to know for eight weeks what the you know pay-per-view match is going to be and then like with wwe it's like they announce the match and then half the time they don't even fucking run them they'll just like cancel a match last minute and not tell you anything and just not do it so like people are just so stuck in their brain that way that they forget like i remember wcw pay-per-views when i was a kid you know this is just wcw and you know you could say it was bad ecw was kind of the same way you go into the pay-per-view and you knew like two matches and the rest of the matches were kind of like you had an idea, but they weren't even necessarily officially announced. And it's like, that's probably not the best, right? The ECW situation, there was times where it was really fucking bad, where it was like half the card wasn't announced, but you were still excited because you knew enough and you wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. WCW thing was like, again, it was like a cruiserweight title match would be like, you knew who the number one contender was. You knew who the champion was. You expected, well, that match would make sense on the pay-per-view, but they never like had an official contract signing or said that this match is happening. It just ended up happening, and it was like, oh, I expected that. This is the same thing. Like None of these matches are a surprise. The only match I would say on the, on the pay-per-view that like didn't expect, didn't see coming, is this House of Black versus Darby, Sting, and Miro thing. Like I saw that right now, and I was like, "Oh shit! I, did, I didn't know that match was even happening." Yeah, but they've been, um, but they but they've been building to that. Like, they yeah, have but they been. have been building to it. 
it feels a little bit out of nowhere, but it mm-hmm. has been being set up and it has been announced, you know. But yeah, like everything else, like it's exactly the match that you expected. Can we just? I'm sorry. There's a lot, there's a lot jumping around here. For one, this is a awesome card, right? But like, yes. we're not gonna have a, a ton to say about the casino, casino ladder match. I don't know what to expect from it. There's a Joker, who it'll be, no fucking clue, right? I did like Excalibur saying, "And don't forget the Joker," like uh, the Ace <laughs> of Spades by Motorhead. That was a good. That was a good spot. Uh, uh, either way, so I, so I don't know who to expect to be to be in the Joker spot. But Tim, this is this is a match. Where Claudio's in the match, Claudio Castagnoli's in the match with yes. Phoenix, and- Andrade, and yes. Dante Martin. Yeah. Like, Do you remember Claudio what? in Money in the Bank ladder matches? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, this is what we're getting. You got, and don't forget Yuta, you know? Yes. People forget that Yuta was one of the Hawks, you know? He was a, a cyber hawk or whatever. So he, Rush in, la- in a ladder match is going to be fascinating. This is going to be so fucking fascinating. Dude, like, they're going to do. Like- now I'm expecting like Claudio and Andrade to like carry ladders where Yuta and Roosh are on top fighting each other while you know they do like a chicken fight but while they're carrying ladders is like, basically bro. what I'm expecting. <laughs> this is <laughs> like I, I love this ladder match so much. And this is not even one of the things I actually like look forward to on the card. Like Yeah, right. This is like low on the on the list. It could maybe steal the show, but it's like, eh, you know, this is like sprinkle icing, you know, on top or whatever. This Darby like, Darby and Sting are always awesome. Well, let's, I guess oh, like yeah. as we go, let's, let's and go they the got Miro. Yeah, Miro so, is always awesome. Yeah, and then like, House of Black, they kill these fucking tags. They are great. And they, True. <laughs> uh, we can actually like start for real. Uh, we did we did talk about the Elite versus uh, more than likely the Dark and Order. That, that's another thing though, because people are complaining about the Wardlow FTR versus Jay Lethal Motor City Machine Guns, right? But then you also look, you got House of Black versus Darby Singh and Miro, and like. We're getting trios titles on this show, and we've got two matches underneath that can be setting up challengers for the titles. Like, what are you... like that's oh good booking. It is. It is good booking. Yeah. Again, you know what? Again, if you will know if you want to complain about the show length, fine. I've gotten to the point where I'm not gonna keep doing that because if the shows are gonna keep being good, yeah, I'm not gonna keep okay, fan fine. I'll watch it in two settings. Like like sure. I feel you can you can watch at some point, you can watch wrestling in different ways. If you purchase it live or go to a show live and you feel like the show is just too long and it's not the best experience, that's fine. It's understandable. I have the luxury, everyone else has the luxury, of consuming wrestling in a different way if they want to. So if I don't watch this live, guess what? I'm going to watch this in two or three different settings, and I'm not going to watch it live because it might be a four-and-a-half-hour, five-hour, six-hour show if you're watching the zero hour as well. So I understand or- it. Go ahead. Or forget it. Don't worry about watching it in two sittings. Don't do any of that. Just stop watching wrestling and <laughs> just stay on TikTok and have the you know Chinese brain virus destroy your mind and turn you into a dribbling imbecile. Just do that instead. Just stop watching anything other than TikTok. That's a great alternative. That's a great alternative. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the elite versus more than likely the Dark Order. Uh, I think this will be really good uh the bucks i feel like we've gotten to the point with the bucks where i mean it's really like they're just so consistently good and i feel like during the heel run they didn't really get the appreciation that they that they deserve because of 
not liking the act and Don Callis and all that stuff. I think you're with me that like, the Bucks were fucking phenomenal. Like, yeah. <laughs> like last year, like the in ring was actually like ridiculous how good they were. And it's been nothing but the same this year. The, the story that's talking with Kenny's been interesting. And I'm ex- just excited. This is, I think, I think John Silver's first pay per view spot, probably. If this, if this one's, if this one's oh, being on uh, the main card, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I think that the, there's going to be a really big spot for John Silver. Uh, I think this will be awesome if I have to predict. I think I'm going to say that Dark Order wins. Okay, but the, but this but this is a match where like literally anyone could like think they, they could either team will win. No one will be upset. It wouldn't be a travesty if one of these teams lost. It'd just be a it'll just be a really good match, and then yeah. we'll go we'll go from there with the titles. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll reiterate it when we do the pay-per-view review because we might get some extra listeners on that episode. But uh, Adam Page and uh, and John Silver and Alex Reynolds are the Hangry Beavers. Just so everyone knows that that, that is the name of the team. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> but yeah, they could win. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, uh, the the they definitely could win. And honestly, like I said when I said like the best friends make sense in that the old school feel good AEW style, which I. That's one thing I really like about Tony Khan's booking is that for everything that you can say about the guy, he's not fucking cynical when it comes to wrestling and the booking. Like he gives the fans that kind of shit that just makes them happy. And it's like, you know, what they want kind of thing, even if it's like goofy and it's not, you know, it doesn't quite, you know, make sense. Whatever you give like the feel good story, he's not afraid of giving the feel good story. So I could definitely see them winning there. Um, so yeah, continue, continue on. Okay, uh, Darby Allen, Miro and Sting versus House of Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black. Uh, Julia Hart apparently trying to seduce Miro into join House of Black. Apparently, uh, yes, that's been going on for a bit. Do you think? Do you think we get CJ Perry showing up? Uh, the the long lost cousin of uh, Jumpin' Jack. Jungle Boy Perry. They've been strongly alluding to it to the point where, like, I know it feels like it has to, but I'm not. It's not like I'm clamoring for it to happen. Like I'm gonna be so happy to see Lana on my television screen, but it feels like they've been building to it. So I'm so like, I feel like naturally, like this match breaks down and Julia gets involved and Lana. Like that, that would be the spot, right? Like a just a big pop for Lana, like that, like that, like. That has to be it, right? Yeah. And Miro really doesn't need it, but I'm not going to complain, I guess, if we get Miro and Lana versus Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti. You know, like, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is probably the spot to do it if she's going to debut. And this is the way... When Tony Khan has been talking about that the roster is going to be at 100% and, and have some real big additions to the roster coming out of this, that's what he's talking about is Lana. <laughs> uh, I just hope she do you want to run down? I just hope she doesn't wrestle. Yeah. I just hope she doesn't wrestle. That's it. Um, do you want to run down the card all the way, or what? Do you, do you have it pulled up? Where are you? At? Where? What are I have we, the card. I have the card pulled up. I didn't talk about okay. the zero hour, but um, there's Pac versus Kip Sabian. There's Hook versus Angelo Parker. And there's Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, yeah. So, and like I said about giving the fans what they want and and stuff that's maybe not for me or you, but the zero hour. All, every one of these matches is for the people who watch, you know, BTE. You know, this is for the fans. This is for the hardcore fans. It may not be for me and you, but these are matches 
that all of those people eat up. And I'll give um I should I should give okay. credit here because I was listening to them, uh, I was listening to wait to the Voice Wrestling flagship and like Joe did make a really good point about Kip Sabian. He's like, look, yes. this guy was around when shit was really fucked up. So yeah. you may not think he's that good of a wrestler. I may not think that he's that good of a wrestler, but the guy earned himself a job at least for a while. And, and he's he, in there with Pac. <laughs> so. And Pac and Pac who will. He, he, look, that's a very high floor. If you yes. can't have a good match with Pack, then you are a terrible wrestler. And I don't think Kip Sabian is a terrible wrestler. No. So he's serviceable. He's fine. The other part of it too is this is not. It's not just a handout. It's not just like oh, Kip Sabian earned a spot by showing up and being there. Which is, I, I like that take, and I get where it's coming from. But you have to also keep in mind that Chris Kip Sabian was in America with a visa. He's away from home. He didn't have a lot else to do. You know, it wasn't like he was sacrificing a ton. But the other part of it is Kip Sabian and the box bullshit is over with the fans that watch BTE. I'm telling you that the YouTube AEW YouTube fans love this shit. So don't think that he's not over just because to me and you, he's Kip Sabian, the Lucha forever guy. Like he is fucking over with the fan base. That's really into AEW shoulder content. So like, yeah, he is a, a star. He's not, he doesn't just have a job because they're being nice. Um, Eddie Kingston versus Tomohiro Ishii will will be the reason in which I watch the pre-show. Yes, but for once, I will actually watch the pre-show. I will make a commitment. Their last match was good. Yeah, their last match was good. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that Eddie's getting something to do. I'm glad that they just like Eddie will get something. Uh, Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy. Uh, I don't know why this. Like, they should have just made this like a fucking like no DQ match or something. Like, um. I don't know why not. We could probably build to that, I guess. But I think Christian should probably win this match. Sure. I think, yeah, I think that we get the double back swerve and uh, Luchasaurus goes back with Christian and he wasn't actually a baby face or whatever. I think that's likely. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that's what sets up the, you know, like you said, the no DQ or a cage match or something like that. I could definitely what Tony, see... What, what Tony do, do, do two of those on one show? Because... Turn. Because like like the double back thing because you do have the Danielson Jericho with Gar- with the Daniel Garcia on a pole match apparently happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's a that's different. I think it it, it is. I'm just I'm just asking because it'd be the same type of like heartbreaking function. Sure, but I think if anything, because because on Dynamite, Garcia says he's you know he was a sports entertainer. He's with the JSA. So if they did anything like that on the show, it would be switching back the other way and it would be Garcia going clean and it would be Luchasaurus going dirty. So I get mm. what you're saying, but it's opposite polarity. So I think it would be okay. Okay. All right. But I, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking Christian wins this and they, uh, I, I like your Luchasaurus turns, turns again thing. And oh, they could, and like I said, set up the cage match. Yeah. A cage match, some sort of, some sort of thing where jungle boy gets to bleed a lot so he can have his Britt Baker moment. Uh, all all that stuff. Like I, I, I think that this is where it should and probably will lead to powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks. I I wish that they would have gotten more time in the build, but I know that this feud won't be over after all out. I don't think this is this will just be done. No, they could uh get a big dynamite my spot, main event a rampage, do whatever with these guys. So I don't think this will be this will be the end. Uh. 
This could also be a goddammer, though. Yeah, that's going to be guys, really, really good. Yeah, these guys could steal the show because they're both really good and they've got some drama to this match. Some dra- uh, some drama to it. The uh, crowd is invested and something to prove, too. Again, yeah. with these guys, is this Ricky's first solo spot on a pay per view? Probably. Like I was obviously it will be will be the same thing for Hobbs. So we have some guys who are, are making their like their so like their debuts like or like their first you know attempts at this big solo match on a pay per view, and I think that the, there's gonna be guys coming out here with something to prove. I think there's gonna be guys that are like really hungry to make an impact. So going from like you know your John Silvers to um uh, you know like now like a Buddy Matthews being you know being being there or a Jungle Boy. Even though he's had a, he had his moment with the big um, uh, undisputed elite uh, tag, this is his first single spot. Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky, like I think that like you know uh, the acclaimed. This is a lot for certain guys that have had, that are, like haven't had those spots yet, and I think that they're taking these spots very very seriously. And I'm expecting great, really awesome performances and guys out there trying to outdo themselves. Because of that, and I think that Powerhouse and Ricky Starks, if they get the time, will beat will do just that. Yeah, no, definitely. Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. Uh, happened yeah. once. Happened once in NXT ten years ago, eleven years ago. Um, kicked off a legendary career in the WWE for Chris Jericho, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Jericho's been good this year. He's been good this year. I know. I said it and, last week. This could be his career year. And Brian Danielson is obviously the best wrestler of all time. So, I think this match will be super over. And it'll be Chris Jericho doing his best impression, trying to keep up with Brian Danielson at least for a little bit before it devolves into something, uh, something else. But. I think this will be really good, man. I'm not excited for it necessarily, but I think this will be really good. Yeah, I'm not begging for it, but I, I think you're dumb to write it off. Like you said, you've got the greatest wrestler of all time in there with Chris Jericho, who's really put it together this year. No, I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at this at all. Are you thinking that the Garcia thing has? Uh, play, has a play in here. Like, will Garcia fully turn babyface? Will he just fully reinforce and break our hearts that he's a full committed heel? Do you have any like thoughts on that? Any com- like where where that where that'll go? No, not really. Honestly, mm. I know that's kind of a cop out, but it's like it's tough for me to try to predict anything here, and I'm not insanely invested in anything here when it comes to that. Like. I'm not one of these people who's really high on this, like, Garcia should be in the, like, Blackpool Combat Club. Like, I said this, and I think I, I think it was in the Slack, or, yeah, it probably was. Me me, me, me and you agree. It's just, like, it's it's too fucking crowded. Like, it just wouldn't make sense. Like Garcia makes more sense with Jericho than anybody else, because that, Jericho gives Garcia what he needs more than than being in the Blackpool Combat Club, really he, should, he, should, he should be. He should be. He should be wrestling the Blackpool Combat Club forever. Like, yes, that's also good. He's he's able to wrestle all those guys, which is great. He gets the rub from a star, a legend with a bunch of history. That's all he really needed because 
he was basically the complete package coming into AEW. Like, as psycho as that might sound to some people, and as low as I was on Garcia pre-AEW compared to other people, like, I was not the high man on Garcia before he was this, but, like, even I couldn't argue that he was not, like, promo, great, obviously. Character stuff, great. In-ring, fantastic. Like, the guy didn't need a bunch of polishing. The best thing, the most important thing he needed here was to just be put next to a a, a confirmed legendary superstar like Chris Jericho. Yeah. So it made a lot more sense for him to be here. So I'm not, I don't really care to predict anything here because I'm just like along for the ride. And I just hope that, that we continue this going on. But like, I also could like have him drop this and move on to something else. And, and Garcia can move on to wrestling. I mean, the next week he's got Yuta for the, the, the pure title. So, Obviously, it's not over. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, Swerving Our Glory versus the Acclaim for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Look, it got concerned that there was going to be a three-way tag between yeah. uh, the Gun Club, the Acclaim, and Swerving Our Glory, but it's just a Swerving Our Glory versus the Acclaim tag, ma- tag match here. These are your guys. The Acclaim are your guys. You are yep. super high on both of them, and they are gigantically over right now just massively over um i want this match to be great i want it to be i'm not sure it'll be um i think the best case scenario here is that you don't try to do like this big spot fest type of thing i think you let keith lee and and shane lean into the heel leaning stuff uh like we've seen shane do before very well. We know Keith Lee can be a big dominant monster. I think that would be the way to go here and just go full on faces in peril, baby face stuff for uh for the acclaimed and just really shine them up as much as you can. I think that this should be a match about them that ultimately shows Swerving Our Glory as super dominant. I'm hoping it'll be good. I'm hoping it'll be really good. I want it to be one of the better matches on the show. I'm not sure that it'll be because I'm not as big on the acclaimed in the ring as you are. But Tim, what do you think? I'm with you. I think, obviously, I appreciate that I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to to big up myself there. You did it for me. I appreciate that. The acclaimed are like the guys that I think I deserve the most credit for at this point right now for seeing, predicting this coming. And I think, I don't know if you've been watching... Obviously, I'm going to assume that you haven't, but Max Caster doing the $10,000 challenge on Wrestling Open uh, mm. this past season. But uh, a lot of the storyline here is that it's a time limit, um, 10 minutes, $10,000. Max Caster coming out there wrestling. He's doing the heel. He's basically doing the TV title thing. But what that means is Max Caster selling his ass off for 10 minutes against challengers of the week. And then figuring out a way to get a sneaky win at the end or go to the time limit. Um, so this is perfect. Like you said, have him come out here and he's been showing off how good he can bump and sell. And you just have Max get the shit kicked out of him, bump and sell, take all the big spots from Swerve in Our Glory. Anthony Bowen's getting the big hot tags, Valiant Babyface stuff. And then in the end, you hit a couple high spots, you know, from Keith Lee and Swerve and you go home. You know, and that's it. And that'll be perfect. I don't care which way the titles go. Like I said, 
I think any match on this show, I I can't really, there's not really any type matches on this show that I can predict. You earlier said you think it's acclaimed like a hundred percent are not going to win here. I think, I, I think either team could win. This is a toss up to me. Pretty much. Like I said, every show on this, on this thing, except for Jade and Athena, that's the only one that I say, I don't think there's any chance Jade loses, but otherwise, uh, Everything else I think is wide open, including this. I think a claim could win. I think a claim could lose. You could have the same thing. We could have three sneaky switches where we could have, I mean, Billy Gunn turned on his kids. Like, it's not that hard to tell the story where he doubles back and it was a ruse and he never turned on his kids because it's weird to turn on your kids, you know? So, yeah, we could have Billy Gunn fuck the acclaimed out of the titles. That would be weird, but it could happen. The only, reason, the only reason I could see Swerving our Glory losing is so that they could push Keith and Swerve as singles guys. And I just don't right. think that they're ready to do that yet. It doesn't necessarily feel like they're in a rush to do that. I, I don't like, I think that Swerving our Glory are holding on to that. And they'll be used for marquee matches, like when eventually FTR think, finally, finally gets a shot at the tag titles or stuff like that. Yeah, I think that they should. I agree with you that that's the way that they should go. But you've also got you got Wardlow, and I think Keith Lee as a challenger for Wardlow is perfect. And I think that you could go with putting Swerve up against Punk or Moxley, really. So yeah, I just I think I could see I could see that, but I'm with you that I think it's more likely that Swerve and Argoy keep the titles here, but I wouldn't put money on it. Okay, I guess this one could really go a few different ways. AW Interim World World Women's Title Four Way: Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm versus Britt Baker versus Jamie Hayter. I have no fucking clue. I don't want to touch the Thunder Rosa stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Um, I will say that if anyone's complaining that Thunder Rosa didn't get an eight minute promo or eight minute segment like CM Punk Ooh. did, please shut the fuck up and stop lying to yourself. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop. If you like Thunder Rosa, you wouldn't want to see her talk for eight minutes because no. you can't fucking do it. So shut up. Stop lying to yourself. Only some people can probably t- can talk for eight minutes. Tony probably shouldn't let Brett Baker talk for as long as she talks sometimes. No. So, Half please. I'm sorry. Punk is like the only person who should talk that long. Really. Yes. Moxley kind of can, but even he shouldn't. Like, it's not good, but it's not bad you know I what i mean like there's... i don't, I don't, I don't want to hear jericho talk that long but he he can do it he'll it'll he... it'll, it'll it'll carry it'll, it'll, it'll carry a segment it'll carry it'll still get a good rating yeah. mjf can do it i don't want to hear starks could do it yeah there's like yeah i don't want to hear 96 percent of the roster talk yeah. for that long so shut up the tree okay the trio's title final that like i've been predicting could be the main event there's not a single person in that match i want to hear talk for that long I definitely don't want to hear Kenny Omega talk for eight fucking minutes. I don't want to yeah. hear the Young Bucks talk for four minutes, for two minutes. I don't like <laughs> what is Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? It's a fucking joke. It's literally a joke. Like, uh, listen, I'm Malachi pilled more than anyone, as I've said. Like, I love the guy. I I would listen to him talk for an hour, as I have done on Twitch. But eight minutes on TV is a long time. Yes, it's a long fucking time, and only certain people can do that. It was a problem. It's a problem in WWE's format where they keep forcing people into long 20-minute opening segments of just talking. 
because a lot of people aren't good at it. So CM Punk, CM Punk, <laughs> one of the best talkers of all time, in my in my opinion, the best the best wrestler promo ever in CM Punk. Yes, he can talk eight minutes. Thunder Rosa, who has been around for fucking ever and has never been that good of a promo, should not talk for eight minutes. Shut up. You don't want to hear her talk for eight minutes. Stop fucking lying. Just stop. It's ridiculous. And it's it's so bad faith, man. I'm sorry, but I think even Thunder Rosa would say she'd rather have eight minutes of wrestling than eight minutes of talking. In the end, right? if you want to bring up Britt Baker, Britt Baker, we'll agree. Britt Baker shouldn't talk for that fucking long. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> fucking we agree. wild. You know what popped in my head, too, was like the greatest promos of all time. Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, you know, fucking uh, Tully, Arn, all of them did not talk for eight minutes. Like Jerry Lawler, all of the great promos were not that long. They were short. They were much shorter than this. Like, it is a WWE brain poison fucking bullshit that makes people think that that's normal. It's not normal. People who are talked about as the greatest promos of all time, CM Punk excluded because, unfortunately, he's, you know, like you said, greatest promo of all time. Debatable, but I I honestly can't argue with you too hard because I do think that, unfortunately, he's come up and he's the only one who's come up in the time of this bullshit that honestly like you can maybe compare like the rock as like the guy who did it he's the one who unfortunately set it up to where people think that this is how wrestling should work yeah the rock um, and steve austin broke wrestling so much at wwe we should we need to have 20 minutes of talking at yeah. the top of at the top of the programming so that, you like, got that these two guys who could pull it off and then a thousand people after that who could never in their wildest dreams pull this shit off and then cm punk who showed up and was like Actually, let me show you how it's done. And he's the only motherfucker who's ever really been able to do it after them. So it's just like, it's crazy to to do that comparison. Because, yeah, like I said, how many of those other people were talking that long? Nobody was ever talking that long historically yeah. in wrestling. It's not oh, normal. Oh, uh, yeah. Rick, Rick Flair is in the back. Let's swing it, swing it to Rick Flair and the Horseman. Rick Flair. He's maybe talking for a minute and a half. Yeah, maybe five minutes at max. And he's like, woo, we're going to see you out there. And Ric Flair is going to be styling and pro- hitting the same lines that he says a thousand times. Silent profiling. Woo. Longest ride. Oldest ride. Longest line. Woo. Woo. Uh, I fucked your mom. You know, that's, that's that's all he does. Same shit over and over again for five minutes max. And you're going to tell me like, yeah, Thunder Rosa needs the fucking mic for that long. I'm fucking lying. Why do you have to lie? You don't have to lie about this. Like you can... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like that annoyed me worse than the East Steel thing. Because why would you even yes. lie like that? No one wants to. No, Thunder Rosa doesn't want to talk for eight fucking minutes. Yeah. Kidding me? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. It's fucking insane. The rest of the Thunder Rosa stuff, obviously, we stand strong with Thunder Rosa. I said that in the context of like a shoot, sandbagging is nothing more than being good at sprawling. Um, and having a good takedown defense. So I don't understand the issue there. Um, also hurting your opponents is the coolest thing that you can do. So yeah. I prefer if you hurt if you hurt your opponent to their face <laughs> and not drop kick them uh, sure, and drive sure. their mat into the face. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that was, I, I had to say that because, you know, for a long time I've talked about the Bret Hart thing, right? Get the most out of the least and how proud Bret Hart was of never hurting anybody. And I agree with that. 
But the thing that people overlook when you say never hurting anybody is never hurting anybody else. I don't mind yeah. it if wrestlers hurt themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I like wild. I like when people are willing to do wild and crazy bullshit. You know, but don't hurt your opponents. Obviously, that's bad. Um, but if you want to go out there and be crazy, be crazy. That is why Sabu rules. That is why yeah, exactly. That's why we respect Sabu here. Okay. Um. Would you do the safety net and go to someone that already has cachet like Hashida or Britt Baker? Nah. Or do you? I feel like it should be Tony Storm. I feel like I we go should with just... Hater. Hater's mine. My pick. I mean, I like Hater. I would like it. I would like them to do stuff for Hater, but that's just not going to happen. Um, at least right now. So it's either I feel like they could go back to Brit, or they go or or they go Tony Storm. And yeah. I think that it's time to just 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 start just give Tony stuff to do. I think it's time. Yeah. Are you saying it's Tony time? I realized it as soon as I said it, and <laughs> I am so upset that I even allowed the yes. room for that. It's okay. <laughs> um, I I like the hater story. I like when the underling, the second in line, wins the title, um, and then the the over the over dog has to like deal with being like I'm the boss, but you're the champion kind of thing, and the tension between them. So I think that the Brit and J- and Jamie. Would that storyline would be great, and I think that it helps cover up for, as you said, like if you just gave Jamie the title, um, Jamie Hater, obviously, it would like feel like she's not at that level. But the sneaky thing about it is, if you give Hater the championship, you have the women's champion act include Britt Baker, so you can kind of like sneakily cover up for that. And not get the backlash from all the people that are like, oh, it's so boring. The women's the women's title is all about Brit, Brit, Brit. She's the only one that they push. She's the only one that they care about. You get to be like, well, Jamie's the champion. And then every single time that Jamie's out there, Brit is right next to her. So I think that's why I go with that. Tony Storm, obviously a great pick, but feels feels like the chalk pick. That's why I like the swerve. We set up the four way out of nowhere. We have you know, kind of the addition to all that. And I like giving like a little bit of a swerve that makes sense. And as I said, you also get that you get to have Britt Baker be paired to the champion, be part of the main event act, but not be the champion. So you can kind of shut up the haters who say, why is, you know, Britt always the only one that you focus on? I think that's a good idea to use Britt star power to give a rub, give a rub to hater. I think that is I think that is a good idea. Um I do think that you just kinda Tony's Tony's it. Tony is the one that yeah. you build this division around. Tony is who they should have been building around in WWE. Like she is just one of those people that you just let her do things and give her the opponents and figure it out, write the stories, because she's not gonna shit the bed in the ring. That's we might not think that she's amazing, we might not be like the biggest Tony Storm fans, but like for fuck's sake, like compared to what's compared to what else on the roster, Tony Tony Storm is you know one of the best rosters of all time. So I think that is the but well, I would expect Tony to win here, but I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't expect uh, be surprised if Britt won or if Sheeta won. 
the hater one was surprising, but you're telling me on why it would be an interesting thing for sure. So I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, and I've been watching Tony wrestle for almost 10 years and like off and on, you know, thought that she's good to great, interesting, at least. And as you said, doesn't shit the bed. And there's a reason why she made a million dollars on OnlyFans, right? So she's, she is popular and she has star power. So mm. people are into her. We can't argue with that. Uh, Casino Ladder Mat, who we touched on a little bit, Claudio Castagnoli, Ray Phoenix, Andre, Andrade El Idolo, Rush, El Penta El Saramiedo, Willa Yuta, Dante Martin, and the Joker. Uh, yes. Don't know who the fuck the Joker is. No. And that, that, that's definitely what matters when uh, coming up with these matches. Yeah. So I'm not predicting a winner here. I'm predicting this is my sleeper match of the night because Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is this is my sleeper match of the night. This people can say whatever they want about ladder magic being driven into the ground. Uh this this could be fucking spectacular. And I want and I really can't wait to see this. Yeah, this is gonna be a lot of fun. Um I've seen <laughs> shout out to you know friend of the podcast, listener of the podcast, Rover. Um I saw the like is MJF just does not fit here. Uh, he says that our they, I don't know their gender, I shouldn't assume, um, that they've always listened to my podcast, so I don't know. But Oh, whatever. sure. Um, it's more pressure. <laughs> sure, sure, I know, it's a big-time star. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, MJF does not fit in this match, right? Like, like no. You look at this, because... and does this feel like a match where MJF should be the Joker? Does no, not because it feels, like you, it feels like you want, you want him to come back to something that he has, to someone he has tension with. Yeah. Like you or something like, like no, right? Yeah. A, a random ladder match where MJF just come like, no, that's not that's not his thing. I mean, and I get the idea because people like the like he comes in and he wins this and then that's why he gets a title shot. But I think MJF is beyond that. He shouldn't even right? do, he he should he he has enough credibility. He should just be able to yeah. sit there and fuck someone up, beat someone's ass, bloody them up, bloody them after a match. And yes. be like, oh, like MJF, you son of a bitch! I'm gonna kill you! And uh, like, like it, he's he's allowed that liberty. He doesn't. Yeah, he's need at to that do level. This. Yes. Like he I, need to do that. I, I'm not. I don't love you know the New Japan. The challenger just comes out after the match and says, "I want to fight you," and the champion just says yes. But MJF is at the level that CM Punk wins the world title here. I think that MJF can just come out after the match and be like, "I want the match," and Punk just says yes. Right? Like that's. That's where MJF is. So I don't think he makes any sense here. Um, obviously, my troll pick is is Sammy Guevara comes out in Joker tights with Tay Conti in Harley Quinn tights. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously that's shit. the troll pick. But nah. other than that, I don't know. Like, who else yeah, makes dude, sense yeah, here, Yeah, right? dude, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, Biff? Biff Music? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about Biff signing signing the WWE now that Papa H is back in power. But uh... Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, know who the Joker is here. I don't know. That's the thing. It's tough, as you said, because the Joker could just be the obvious winner, or the Joker could just be whatever, you know. So who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect here. I'm just, I, I really do think this could be matched tonight. Let's just wait. What do you this... think? Oh, good. Go ahead. I said, what do you think about Dragon Lee? That's actually really good. That feels right. Because and we haven't we as we haven't deal. seen drag we haven't seen Dragon Lee since 
Uh, Since he got turned on, yeah. That's actually really good. Oh my god, you Jesus Christ! That's actually perfect because yeah, that Dragon, you had Dragon lead to this match. That's yeah, yeah. Actually, absolutely insane. If it's not Dragon Lee, you know, and hopefully it's another good wrestler, but it's like, I'd be disappointed if it wasn't Dragon Lee just from like, wow, that's really good. It's perfect. It makes sense in storyline. It makes sense in the match. It's like probably who it should be. So yeah, like I hope that's it, but uh, you know, we'll see. Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns versus FTR and Wardlow. It'll be a what? match. Fun, fun, fun showcase match here. I like it. You know, uh, we'll get to see Motor City Machine Guns and FTR interactions. So that's awesome. Uh, I would love if Jay Lethal was the one to, t- one to take the fall here, but that's probably not going to happen. It'll probably be like Chris Saban or some shit taking the fall. Um, right. But this this will be fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this. Uh, people are down on Lethal and don't want to see Lethal for very valid, understandable reasons. But him. This is a, depending on what, how they approach it. This could be really fun. Yeah, no, no, no. This is going to be fun no matter what. Yeah, I mean, lethal, lethal is lethal. He can be very boring, but this is not the kind of match where he's even going to have the chance to be boring. Motor City Machine Guns are as good now as really as they've ever been as a tag team. I mean, you know, whatever, and it's fine. FTR can have. You know, sloppy seconds from the West Side Wrecking Crew. I'm not gonna or West Coast Wrecking Crew. I'm not gonna complain. They can have the Motor City Machine Guns now that uh, now that the big boys had their fun with them. The were you someone that called them the Murder City Machine Guns or the Motor City Machine Guns? Which one did you? Prefer? I always called them Motor City. I I never said Murder City because that was like such a short time thing that they were called. Murder but Murder City, but you know? Murder City is like so much cooler though. It is a lot cooler, but I just, yeah, never did. Did you call him Murder City? Were you a Murder City guy? I can't imagine. You I mean, saw I was, them a ton. Yeah, you know, when I was, I was a kid. So, like, of course, I only knew Motor, Motor City Machine Guns because I wasn't familiar yeah. with, like, when they started doing that shit before. Uh, I think they were doing on on the indies before TNA, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I wasn't really familiar with the, with the Murder City era. There was ones I looked into and I saw, like, wait, Murder City Machine? That's so much more cool. What the fuck? Like. yeah well and it's also weird because it was like the brief period of time where detroit was the murder capital of the world which actually you know what's very funny is that i pulled that up and the first on cage match the first murder city machine guns match is tna explosion and you know who they're wrestling oh jay lethal and sanjay dutt really yeah that (laughs) that's brilliant that's crazy yeah that's actually really interesting and crazy yeah uh but yeah so so uh no i never never with the murder city i was motor motor city was it and i mean part of it's like you know motor city was just like ingrained in my head and yeah but yeah murder city murder city does sound cooler especially but murder city machine guns feels like overkill like tony we're on fucking like you know we're on pay-per-view man this is tv 14 TVMA, we're dropping, we're dropping fucking sure. f bombs. Like, just have them come in and say that the Murder yeah. City Machine Guns. Like, just <laughs> fucking do it. <laughs> just do for it. Sure. Just bring it back. Why not? Jay Cargill versus Athena for the AEW TBS title. These Jade defenses, they're not getting rave reviews. Um, I think that she's individually really good in a lot of these matches, even if her opponents, whether yeah. they're Ty, Anna Jay, whatever, aren't aren't looking the best. 
Um, they've really been building up to this Athena match well, though. And Athena is like a perfect opponent for her in terms of Athena's athleticism and bumping ability and the way that she could sell and fly around for Jade. And they they could think of a little ton of create, creative stuff to do here. But this is like perfect David versus, versus Goliath monster match potential here, depending on how they want to approach it. I th- there's there's a way in which I, I wish this could wind up being very good. I'm not sure it'll get there. I'm not. I'm, I wouldn't be upset if it doesn't get there. But there's a clear route to this being a very very good match. Yeah, yeah. There is. There definitely is. I think it's absolutely horseshit that it feels like. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And maybe like she's actually doing something else, but it really feels like Tony has slowed down on on booking Jade. She's ha- not having a ton of matches. She's really not working as much as she used to. But maybe there's a reason for it. I don't know. But she was getting really good. We talked about it, but like you know, as you said there, as a performer, even if you didn't love her matches, she was always very good at what she at her part of the match. She's got poise. She's got presence. Nothing she does ever looks bad. You know, she never looks out of place. She's always doing everything right. So I just, I just, I think, unfortunately, I just want to be like, is fucking, is Tony being a coward on Jade? And he's just like hid her away and not put her on fucking TV and not have her wrestle as much as he should. Unless like, again, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Maybe there's a reason why Jade is going down. It could be that, but I think Jade's always been treated as kind of a special attraction though. Um, sure, but I mean, you look at it and it's just like since Revolution, she's had like three singles matches. That is that is true. So, going from Revolution, that is like nothing that, compared to like for the first few months of her career, she was having like at least mm, two, three matches per month. So, when that so since Revolution, where she faced Taikansi, she's faced. Marina Shafir uh, been in the six man tag with the baddies facing the J on that double or nothing. Uh, Will Nightingale, Layla Gray in a tag with Kira Hogan facing Athena and Will Nightingale. That's yeah. since March. Yeah. Uh, so that is a fair point that you are making. It does seem like for whatever reason that they've slowed down on it. Um, I could, I could see saying that's to, to keep Jay foot feeling like a star. Um, but also but has, with a, has with, she been on TV? I feel like I haven't really seen her. I feel like she's been relegated too much tonight to to Rampage. Mm-hmm. I really am looking at this as a TK being a fucking coward and no, not committing I, to. I don't. I don't blame you for it, for thinking that. There could also possibly be some injury stuff. We don't. We don't know. Uh, so I. So I. So I don't know. But I don't rule right. out your possibility that it could just be Tony Khan being a coward. Uh. With AEW, whether people like it or not, I do. They do kind of keep things close to the vest on certain, on certain, on, thir- on certain things. And that you know, again, there it could there could be a booking reason. Like we're tr- we're thinking that this presents Jade as a bigger star when we put pull when we uh when we present her, and that's why we do it. There could be an injury reason, or it could be Tony Khan being a coward. I I do think this will be something that comes up at some point, though. It has to. Yeah. Yeah, they gotta do something. Gotta do something here. Jesus Christ. Okay, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm watching Alec Price versus Joshua Bishop from uh, J Lit Night Two here, and uh, Alec Price keeps picking 
Joshua Bishop up in fucking burning hammer position. And it's just it brother needs to understand where his lane is. <laughs> it just looks so fucking bad. This big giant jacked up looks like the second coming of fucking Sid Vicious getting picked up by this fucking twig repeatedly. Like, looks like, so like, bad. Like, 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 oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, just stop. knock it off, man. Yeah, it's it's fucking gross. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for that one. <laughs> You're good. Uh um, I don't I, I'm expecting Jade to win. But they've been building Athena up, and it wouldn't shock me if Fair. Athena won. Jade has held this belt since its inception, which was back in January. So I would not be surprised if it was if they felt like it was time to move on and give Athena the belt. Um, AEW World Title: John Moxley, the undisputed AEW Champ, versus broken down, fragile little bitch CM Punk. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect here. No. I, like nothing. Like <laughs> I don't know yeah. who I don't, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know how long this match is going to go. I don't know if I'm expecting a turn. I don't know shit. And as I said, I mean, we could have MJF show up at the end of the night after the match and challenge the winner. And it could be either of them. Yes. Yeah. And they get like they could do literally anything here. Uh, I think the the MJF returning the side with CM Punk would be weird, but it has legs for some reason. I don't know it why, does. but it does have, has legs. Could CM Punk cheat to beat John Moxley? Would not shock me one bit. No. Might actually be what I think is the most likely outcome. Might be to me the best choice of matter of the thing. I think that a good a punk run now he as heel would be good. Fresh him up, and it keeps this feud going, which I feel this this feud could keep could keep going until November. And I trust these guys to keep it interesting and hot throughout the whole time. You have to be like hammer it over your head on TV, but if you wanted to have it, you know, have this still going on the first few weeks and the fall of the pay per view cool off then as we're getting close to the full gear revisit this you could easily you could easily do that um there is so much that they could do here i'm just looking forward to this match and like who wins i'm i'm bummed that i don't be able to get to watch, get to watch this live because i this is one of those things this is one of the only times i've actually been like i want to see this wrestling show live other times i don't really care i don't really care if i get to see wrestling live i get to see it live it's fine it's whatever but for this, man, it feels like this could, this could be anything. This could just be John Moxley beating CM Punk's ass again in five minutes. Yeah, this could be CM Punk beating John Moxley and cheating and doing whatever. And you stupid old man, I'm a snake, and all that, you know, and all that shit. They could go up there and have a fucking like wrestling classic and go up there and wrestle for thirty five for thirty five minutes. Like I they don't know. They could do the time limit. They could go Broadway. I could see them do the time limit draw. They could have something fucking super, like super chaotic and bloody, and just like go out there and beat the shit out of each other, throw each other through tables and barricades and bust chairs over each other. Like I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what they're gonna do. But that's great. I love the fact that I have no clue what they are going to do with this match. Yeah. No, it's uh, 
It's definitely unpredictable. It's the main event. It feels like the main event. It feels like the most important thing on the night. Anything could happen. I'm I just want to again sit back and enjoy the ride. I don't want to I don't I don't really have like a dog in the fight necessarily. I guess my main thing I would just st- stick with Mox just because I think Mox is wrestler of the year, obviously. So much so that it's really fucking depressing. Larry Liam from a you know, I reference all the podcasts, right? You got to be kidding me. The TNA podcast on the uh, on the, the that old Voices of Wrestling Network messaged me and he's like, who's the, you know, the esoteric niche wrestler of the year pick? Because, you know, that's what I'm known for. Figuring out a way to pick somebody that nobody expects or whatever. Right. Um, and I'm like, there's no there's no fucking pick this year. It's impossible to have an outside of the box pick. It's Moxley. That's the guy. He's the best wrestler in the world right now. He has the most matches. He has the best matches. I just... And it's crazy to me how easy it is to see because then I hear people saying the same thing about Osprey, And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? But yeah, I think I go with keep the title on Moxley because Moxley's the fucking guy. And I always liked it when Dylan said it when, uh, when Dan Makabe won the SCI. Like... When you have the best wrestler in the world in the tournament, you have the best wrestler in the world win. And that's kind of the situation here. It's like when you've got the best wrestler in the world in your title match, you have the best wrestler in the world win the title. So that's kind of where I'm at. Other than that, like I said, I would I can get down with whatever. Punk can win. Punk can win clean and I won't be upset. Punk could cheat. Punk could go heel. I think that would be great. You could freshen the punk thing up. I talked about punk being able to be the underdog. Well, What's the best thing that you know you can do in wrestling is you can book it to where the underdog doesn't have to just lose because they're not as good as the overdog. They can also cheat and still somehow win. So, yeah, I just I'm excited to see where this happens. I'm probably gonna watch it live. I don't know what's going on because I keep I keep hearing because of the way my brain works. Every time they plug it, all I hear is Fightful or Fight Network. Oh, God damn it! What am I doing? Not Fight Network. Not fightful, not fighting network friends. Um, just fight, just F I T fight. Yeah, fight. Um, <laughs> and I don't hear them saying "br live" or anything else. So hopefully, I don't know. Is this just on fight? I hope it's just on fight. I want. I I don't like "br live." It's so bad. But like, I will probably put my money down. I feel like such a mark every time I fucking pay for this shit. But AEW really does trick me into actually ponying up the goods and watching the show. And I'm gonna watch it live and. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Uh, okay, just to make this more interesting. All right. Gun to your head pick. Who walks out of All Out as the world champion? MJF. <laughs> Are you serious? A gun to my head? Gun to your head. Who, like, you, like, you, have, to, like, you have to pick. Like, uh, you have to make a pick. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I guess... I'm gonna go with Mox. No, you know what? I'm, I'm going go with I'm, Punk. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going Punk. I'm going Punk. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Punk. Uh, I would say Moxley because I'm like I don't. I don't think that they would have him have his reign be this short. But the weird, the weird thing about it is because of the interim thing, his reign has actually been a couple months. Yeah, like he already did oh. have the first run. The first run anyway. Yeah. So like, and he had the first run, and he's the first two time champion. It's weird because. That instantly makes Punk the second two-time champion, but whatever. 
yes, that, that, that would be a little weird, but uh, I think I'm going punk. I don't know how they get there. I don't know, yeah. but I'm I'm excited for the journey and to see what they wind up doing. Uh, but this is actually the most excited I've been for an AEW pay-per-view ever, I think, even more than the first sure. all-out and like CM Punk's date, like, you know, return to wrestling. I think this is actually the most excited I've been for an AEW show. So I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, Tim, do you have anything that you want to say before we get, yeah, before we get yeah. out of here? Well, before we go, I'm going to ask you the same question, but gun to your head, MJF, does he show up? Um, damn. Uh, damn, this is so... <laughs> Uh, and keep in mind Tony's been saying like after this show the roster is back to 100% yes yes gotta be right MJF shows up I think I think I think I think it's a yes but 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 like I realized with that with that question I can't put a caveat on it my caveat would be if Moxley wins I would say yes um well, I guess it's, I guess it dep- depends on the manner in which Punk wins, right? Like if Punk did just have a valiant babyface effort and beats Moxley in Chicago, and then and yeah. then MJF comes out and beats the shit out of him, then yes. But if it's CM Punk cheated and Ace him, like Ace Steel slid him a fucking uh, padlock chain and <laughs> he beat any any beat John Moxley, then of course I wouldn't think MJF is coming coming out. So wow, I think so. I think it kind of depends on how the match is booked and the layout of it, because if it is this big valiant hometown hero effort from Punk, then yes, MJF will should come in and ruin it and you know ruin it, rain on his parade. But if it's not, and it's kind of turning, it's going to turn into Punk is a babyface in Chicago on a heel everywhere else because he just cheated to beat John Moxley, then I wouldn't think so. Well, okay, so Ace Steel comes out and gives the padlock to Punk, you know, again, back to the dog collar chain match, which is, to me, Punk's sign- signature gimmick. Um, he comes out, gives him that. Okay, well, who's who would have the biggest issue with that? The guy who goes back the longest with Ace Steel and Punk is Colt Cabana. Colt oh, Cabana Jesus. comes out, and he's like, what the fuck? This is not how it goes. This is not how the Steel domain works. We don't, you know, the Second City Saints don't need to cheat to win. Punk, what was the whole, you know, the dog collar match with Raven where you like you, you showed him that you didn't have to be a asshole? Well, Cole Cabana needs someone to help him. Of course, his son in canon, in wrestling canon, Cole Cabana is the father of, of MJF. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you remember that from like like oh god? Yeah. I mean it was online and stuff, but they did it in like uh Wrestle Circus and stuff, like playing yes, I remember like, that. that they're both Jewish and all that. Yeah. So MJF comes out and you know he's there to save his dad, Cole Cabana, and then we get Cole Cabana and MJF versus Ace Steel and, and uh CM Punk. That's where we end up. Um of course, that's the that's where Tony is booking this. This is a little um, M- little little MJF's dream for his uh yeah. ROH ROH uh ROH weekend tag along in WrestleMania. Uh so like, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, just this is this is his dream right here. <laughs> Finally coming. Um, yeah, I think he shows up for sure. Uh, the final thing that I wanted to say is uh shout out to Dom Dom Garini for coming out to the finals of J Lit in the Bizarro Chris Hero shirt. Love that shirt. I have one of my own. 
Um, so that's a, just a great shirt. And uh, I was gonna, I was gonna send this one out there, but I couldn't word it properly. But I watched the Rev Pro uh, anniversary weekend shows. I don't know if you ended up watching them. Not yet. I'm gonna watch the Osprey stuff and also the Open stuff and whatever else but, is on there. There's a guy that did a fucking Swanton 450. Like the name yeah. was like Leon Slater, I think. But it was like yes, yes, that, that shit. This is what I'm talking about with the fucking Nick Wayne thing. Yes. What are you, I watched Fuck Maverick off. Mayhew Fuck for off. like yeah. through, like Maverick Mayhew versus Connor Mills rather than any fucking John like uh, not John Wayne <laughs> Nick Wayne match John Wayne Murdoch that yeah. I've uh, that I've ever that I've ever seen in my fucking life. And there's this guy seventeen. You know. You know you did a four. You did a Swanton four fifty. You want to talk to me about fucking Nick Wayne? I know that Leave dude. That match alone. absolutely kicked ass too. That match yeah. was so fucking good. That was the speedball. It was uh yeah. Oh god, Connor, Leon versus uh, speedball Mike Bailey, and that match absolutely rocked. But uh, the main event, or actually, what the fuck did I call him? Leon Slater. That's his name. Um, the main event on that show. Will Ospreay versus Ricky Knight Jr. This is the only thing that I want to say. Watching the match and listening to Dave Meltzer describe it is the height and the like pinnacle, the peak, the most egregious like explanation of the fact that Meltzer just lives in a different fucking planet. When he watches wrestling, he's watching something different than what the rest of us are watching. Because he was going off about this match and how it's insane that Osprey did these two matches, the speedball match and then the Ricky Knight Jr. match the next night, in between all of these other insane match of the year level stuff and everything that he's doing. And I watched that match and like I'm not saying it's terrible, but it was not impressive. It was not amazing. It was not great. It wasn't like next level and it like it was it was it was not it feels, it feels very like, Will, good. like you know, like I do praise these will performances in Rev Pro. Like I had I did like I'm like sure. even, even if I don't think this is the best like one of the best matches of the year, like the Michael Oka match, like you know Right, right. If there's someone that could do a decent enough to watch 45 minute match with Michael Oku, Will Ospreay is one of the only people that could probably do it. Like sure. I'll like I'll give I give him that credit. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, well, we, dude, we, these like, Osprey we, and RPW matches are just the height of of showing that like Melter is watching something else. It's it's like the fact like he gets credit for the fact that he can do heel work, and not that he's like good at it, really. Right. Like, which okay, this fine. One, like, I, I, mean, I, I, I kind of think we're at that point now. We're like, look, man, I get it. Like, Osprey's good. I get it. You don't got to convince me that like he's all he's he's this well rounded wrestler. I think. Most people that don't just hate the guy's guts will probably admit that, but just because he can do something doesn't mean he's necessarily doing it well, and that he should be doing it with the likes of Ricky Knight Jr. Yeah, no, and I mean, just they get to a point where it feels like just that spamming. Do you remember that the the I think it was the first Rock versus um, Cena match where like it, they just all they did was hit their their finishers over and over again back and forth. That was the whole match. Yeah. Like eventually it gets to that point. And like Osprey has multiple, you know, like finishing moves or whatever that he's built up, but it's like hidden blade to the back, hidden blade to the front, Oscutter, kick out. Okay. 
uh you know thunder driver whatever whatever the fuck that thing is called um oh, okay kick out then ricky knight hits his version of a hidden blade and kick out and then oscutters back and forth oh ricky knight hits his finisher Oh, uh, you know, it just got to the point where they were just spamming finishers, spamming sequences back and forth for big kickouts. Like, I, I, I don't like being that like you know old man yells at cloud thing, but fucking hell, dude! By the end, it was just so repetitive, and Ricky Knight gets a color at one point, and like the match goes so long, and the the blade job was so bad and late and like nothing. They're like Ricky Knight gets color midway through, and then by the end of it, there's no blood left on him, and I'm just like what's the fucking point like it's weird to me to do a match where there's like like just like there's a spot in a match there's like a color spot there's a spot of color on the match but it's like not part of it and i'm sorry like the people who have been complaining about oh there's too much blood in wrestling like okay how do you say like oh every match that fucking moxley has has to have a bunch of blood or else it's not good or whatever but then you have this match where they like put blood in there but they do absolutely nothing with it and it doesn't matter like Anyways, I don't need to be going off on this, but I just wanted to mention that, like, if you want to feel like an alien on a different planet, watch an Osprey Rev Pro match and then listen to Dave Meltzer describe it. And it's like it's like you're on an acid trip or something. It's like a different fucking universe. I haven't I haven't seen uh this, the, the those matches yet. So whenever I get back to it, I will tell you, and I probably won't like it. But no. <laughs> Well, I also make it a habit to, unless it's historical stuff, I'm not, I don't listen to Dave Audio unless it's like sure, sure, for historical sure. purposes because I don't have time for that shit. Right. <laughs> um, no. But I guess that's it for us. We will see you next week when we review All Out. Uh, you can follow me at QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at Bone Dog's Wife, and you can follow the pod, the podcast network at WDKWPN. And if you're feeling so kind to, Donate to us on coffee so we can fund our trip to get someone to run the Sears Center again. We are at the Now Arena <laughs> for All Out, and I really think we should just do the Sears Center. So, the fact that you guys run that up, get us um, a few hundred thousand dollars, and we can get the Sears Center uh, back in use for, uh, for AEW. But that is it for us. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you next time.